We are heading to PAX East this Saturday. Seth, anything you want to say? Don't play games like my brother. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. Before we get into the episode, I do have some sticky notes from our producer, Doug. They're very sticky this time. They they were like glue traps. He doesn't actually buy sticky notes. He just buys little pieces of paper and then puts glue on them. Yeah, he covers them in, like, gorilla glue, and then he, like, plasters them places. The worst was when he plastered some on some toilet paper. Ooh, that was a bad time. (laughs) Or when he plasters them on our guests. Anyway, so producer Doug wrote a sticky note. Uh, He wrote us a correction. Uh, He said that Battlefield Bad Company and Bad Company 2, we incorrectly noted that they were just single-player games. They also had an extremely well-received multiplayer mode. He also mentioned in a very long-winded post-it note that he really enjoyed playing Battlefield 1942 as it was the first game that he played at a computer cafe where you would rent a computer and play video games with the people around you and he also mentioned that wolfenstein enemy territory was a game that he liked more that's fair enough so thanks producer doug zach what have you been recently been playing seth recently i've been playing super mario world for the original famicom not the super famicom the super mario world for the famicom is a backport of the super nintendo version of the game of the same name and it was developed by hummer team a bootleg company out of china uh originally the game was their version was released in 1995 it was actually published as two different versions there was a version that was incomplete and published as volume one i assume with the intention of volume two being published but it never came out and another version that was complete but only available on a very rare 45 and one multi-cart i have a reproduction cartridge that has the incomplete version the full version and a couple of hacks that you can also play that fix assorted bugs in the game it's actually a very faithful recreation of Super Mario World, the original, though it does suffer from some control issues. Beyond that, it's really competent. Uh, They've made a couple of changes in the game to kind of make things that you could do on the Super Nintendo possible on the original Nintendo, which is kind of cool. Like in the Super Nintendo version, there's some platforming you have to do where there's these blocks that kind of like shrink and they go in and out. They kind of expand. On this version, it's just a moving platform. So it's kind of neat to see how they can uh, revise some platforming to make it possible on a system with not as comprehensive uh, hardware. One major issue with the uh, Famicom version is Mario moves a bit too quickly up slopes and too slowly down slopes. There's also some issues with jumping. Uh, Interestingly enough, these appear to be simple programming errors that actually can be fixed with a Game Genie code. So you just type in Game Genie codes if you had the original cartridge and the game would be pretty much fixed in a playable state that would be arguably not that bad way to play Super Mario World. The complete version 
version of the game that I have on my cart does, like I mentioned, have some hacks. And these hacks do some things like add those Game Genie codes on start, but also update some of the graphics to make them a bit more pleasant looking because they kind of, uh, on the version that was released by Hummer Team, they kind of took some creative liberties with the graphics. But I've been having a good time playing that. What about you, Seth? What have you been playing? Well, recently I've been playing The Life and Suffering of Sir Brandt. It was released back in March of 2021. It was developed by Surfer and published by 101 XP. It's a narrative-driven hardcore RPG which is set in a very rough world that's ruled by two gods that are uh, that are real being that they like exert actual power over people you uh essentially play through this person's life and you get to pick your first name so my mr brant was called matthias very it's like a text-based rpg right and you have to make decisions along your entire life and that plays into what story gets told to you which is kind of cool um there's three main paths uh three main paths uh there's the path of the noble the path of the priest and the path of the surf and essentially the world is divided up among uh, the haves and the have-nots, and it's baked into their religion. So they're essentially called lots, and the lot of somebody who is like a peasant is that of suffering. So you have to suffer your lot, where the lot of the noble is that to guide and instruct and guide the peasants, really. And the lot of the priest is to interpret the lots and to help guide them through their passageway. Because at the end, there's a, this big pillar of light that's just present at all times. And you have to follow through on your lots and then you can go up through the passageway and go on to your just rewards, the light passageway. The other thing that's unique in this uh, world is that you can die, but if it's not your time, you come back. Oh. And people know. They'll be like, oh, that person died their first death. And then they come back. <laughs> and it's just like, whoops. Like at one point in time in the story, my character's mom died during a house fire. And then she came back. I so far have avoided death. But I've had the possibility of dying three times so far where I could have chosen death. And then you, if you die too many times, I think it's a total of five times. On your fifth death, you have a true death. And that's when the, the faiths are just like, no, you're done. Though, interesting enough if you are a criminal and you get caught uh, you may be punished to a true death where they just kill you over and over again until you actually die it's a very interesting world i'm going down the path of the priest and the game made my character an inquisitor so i'm an inquisitor so i'm like a sub faction of the faith that is in charge of rooting out unfaithful people and it's been a lot of fun i really like playing it blind i do have to say you have to read a lot also, every like chapter of the game is this person's life, like a year from one. Like you play the first chapter of the game is you as a one year old, and yeah. then you're a two year old, three year old. Um, right now, I think my guy is like 26. And I've been playing for like four or five hours. So like, it's definitely like, it's got some meat. There is like a, an end and you can end it prematurely if you die too many times. But yeah, so it's the life and suffering of Sir Brandt. It's definitely a, a game that I recommend picking up if you enjoy uh, a, a very unique story. Well, today's episode, we are going to be talking about our time that we spent at PAX East. So last weekend, Seth and I were at PAX East for 
uh, well, I was there on Saturday and Sunday, and Seth was there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We got to check out a whole bunch of games and try out some demos, and we got to talk to some people as well. Zach bought a recorder for PAX, and we were able to obtain recordings and interviews uh, on site at PAX. So if we if we released it live, it could have been almost like you were there. Instead, this yeah. is like, you know, like a week old. But we do have recorded interviews with people. Zach also, he interviewed me at one point in time, which is pretty yeah, exciting. And he also narrated him walking. Yes, yes. Interesting. So we're going to we're going to splice in the recorded footage as we go through this episode uh where it's appropriate. We got about 5 interviews with devs and we'll let you know when it's an interview segment that is going to be like switch over to the footage because it's obviously the quality is actually pretty good uh for a little recorder, but there is ambient noises which because there was 100,000 people around us. Why don't we start off with one of the flagship games that were there, which we did not interview anybody about, and that is Toxic Crusaders. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, Toxic Crusaders is being developed by Retroware, and they are the Toxic Crusaders, which, if you're not familiar with Toxic Crusaders, that's okay. It was a Saturday morning cartoon that also received a Sega Genesis video game that we owned that was like a beat-em-up, also based on a very violent movie. Yeah, it's called Toxic uh, Avenger, which was created by Lloyd Kaufman as one of the films produced by Troma, which is kind of the Lloyd Kaufman uh, umbrella. And yeah, it is a very violent, violent movie. It's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it's a very schlock movie is what Zach usually describes it as. I still haven't seen it today. I'm, I'm probably going to watch it eventually. But Zach warned me it's a very, very violent movie. But the Saturday morning cartoon was not. And the Saturday morning cartoon got other marketing material, of which was the Toxic Crusader video game, which was a beat-em-up. So then they made a beat-em-up. And that's that that's what they put in like that's coming out soon so the toxic crusader retroware game that's coming out is uh the crusaders so toxie and no zone and all those guys are returning for an all-new all-action beat-em-up for one to four players where you can get your mop and your tutu and your attitude and you can clean up the mean streets of tromaville one radioactive goon at a time it's very interesting because this game is also being published by screenwave which is the avgn company and the angry video game nerd was there for signings as well as a few other people that were I, I guess famous so there was always a line for this booth to either get like a photo op with the guy dressed as Toxie who's like a very green person or to get signatures from like AVGN and what have you. Always a big line. So I got in line to play the game and I rolled around and the guy came up to me and he's like, do you want to play this game? And I was like, yeah. He's like, is it just you? And I said, yeah. And I it was weird because apparently it was the first time that like one person came up and there wasn't already a bunch of people. So then he put me on my own television screen and I was like, just so you know, like if somebody wants to play this game, they can, I don't need to play this game by myself. And he's like, oh, okay. And so so then some other random person just played and I played Toxic Crusaders with this random person. Uh, we ended up figuring out the kind of gimmick of the game. So it is a beat-em-up game where you have like your standard attacks. Then you have like a special attack that takes like your energy and then you can pick people up and throw them. And that's key because sometimes bad guys will drift off the screen and you can't strike them because the screen won't move. So then you have to pick them up and throw them to your friend to continue the beating. But it was a pretty fun game. It did remind me a lot of the turtles remaster shredder's revenge 
Yeah. yeah Art style, gameplay. So it did remind me a lot of that, which I felt a little disappointed because I think that it was a really a prime candidate to do something unique with it. And I don't know if they're going to do something unique with it. I think they're going to chart something out that will be fun, but I don't think it will be like, it's probably going to feel like Turtles with Toxic Avenger skins on it. But it was a great game. Uh, well, it was, a, it was a good time. It, it was and it was a good game. It was cool to see. I didn't get a chance to play the demo because, as Seth mentioned, there's usually a pretty long line. And Saturday and Sunday were pretty busy, but uh, I did get to watch some of the gameplay a bit. And yeah, it seems pretty cool. Though uh, we were both kind of uh, saying how we were kind of disappointing that you couldn't like smack the little ball character like you could in the Sega Genesis game. So on Saturday, I actually officially joined Seth, and uh, we arrived at PAX on Saturday morning. We started walking around, and uh, one of the first things we did is we actually stopped by the Retrotainment slash 8-Bit Legit booth. So Retrotainment is kind of a, a developer for retro-style games for old consoles, uh, specifically the NES. They create NES games for the modern era, uh, and they've worked on a whole bunch of games. And 8-Bit Legit is uh, a publisher who's been working with them and working with getting some of their games out on more modern systems, such as uh, Xbox and Steam and uh, PlayStation and Switch. But while we were there, I picked up a couple of physical cartridges. I picked up Trophy, picked up a copy of Full Quiet, picked up a copy of Garbage Pail Kids, and I picked up a copy of Haunted Halloween 85. So uh, now I have kind of a full suite of Retrotainment games, and they're they're awesome. And these are legit NES cartridges, they all come in different colors. Full Quiet was kind of a horror adventure game where you're wandering around a scary forest um, and you have a limited amount of supplies and it's supposed to be like 20 hours of gameplay. Haunted Halloween is kind of more of a beat-em-up side-scroller set in the 80s with a kind of Halloween twist. Trophy is a kind of a love letter to Mega Man and Seth and I actually have already talked about Trophy. We did kind of a review back in the early days of the Indie Dev Lounge and uh, Garbage Pail Kids is a platformer based on the Garbage Pail Kids IP. And uh, they did a limited run of 4,000 cartridges. And there was a one in eight shot of getting a certain color cartridge, a pink cartridge. And guess what? I got pink. So uh, it was cool. It's cool to have these homebrew games for the NES and get a chance to play them. Uh, so that was Retrotainment. We had a good time meeting Tim. We didn't really get a chance to interview him, but I'm sure you'll hear from him sometime down the line as he seemed to be interested in uh, getting to talk to us on the podcast. So Seth and I made our way over to some of the indie developers after we went to the Retrotainment 8-Bit Legit booth. And uh, one of the first games that we actually did an interview for was Sovereign Syndicate by Crimson Herring Studios. So let's hear what Scott had to say about Sovereign Syndicate. So Sovereign Syndicate is a steampunk RPG. It's set in Victorian London, where uh, mythological creatures like minotaurs and centaurs and cyclops live alongside humans. They're just trying to live out their lives. Um, robots are gaining sentience um, and trying to gain independence. Um, we're heavily inspired by games like Shadowrun Returns, uh, yeah. Arcanum, Disco Elysium, okay. um, really leaning into like rich storytelling um, through text and uh, choice and consequence. Sweet. Um, one of the things that sets us apart is we use uh, tarot cards for our skill checks. Oh. So as you play through the game, you you uh, you'll draw from the various minor tarot suits as a, as a randomizer, and then you'll unlock major tarot cards that all have special abilities that you can assign to the various suits. Very cool. Um, each of the characters that we play as uh, throughout the chapters of the game, Atticus, Clara, Teddy, um, they all have inner voices that um, that will speak 
to them and encourage you to kind of uh, amplify that voice. So, right. for example, yeah. Atticus, um, his animal instinct, his like primal urges, um, are really strong when you start the game. They will uh, try and encourage you to beat people up and be grouchy. Um, but you don't have to play into those voices. You can choose to have self-restraint, use your self-discipline, and uh, uh, lean into your more mystical side. Atticus ha uh, has a heritage of magic. Very so cool. if you if you if you go that route, then you can start to gain some of his illusory illus illusionary magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, we have a demo available on Steam already. It's okay. our first chapter with Atticus. Okay. Um, we're hoping to release uh, a little bit more content to introduce some of our other characters in the next few months. And uh, we are looking at an early next year, sometime around March, uh, probably um, uh, next year on Steam. Thanks, Scott, for providing that little uh, summary of the game. Their lead developer is uh, Isaac. Isaac, yeah. We didn't get a chance to meet Isaac, or at least I didn't get a chance to I, meet him. I talked to Isaac. But we both played the demo. I personally thought it was pretty cool. I really liked the aesthetic, the kind of... Uh, I think Scott put it best when he... We were talking, I think, just before we started recording. But one thing we were talking about was just how, when you think of steampunk, you kind of think of this, like, almost happy aesthetic. And this game is really set in... Kind Kind of more of a grounded depressing victorian era which i just think i i don't know i just liked it i liked kind of this combination of steampunk with magic with kind of a realism element but seth what did you think of the game i really like dark like grittier stuff and it's a very dark and gritty steampunk i do like that he did say that the game is a little more forgiving than disco elysium but in it's the like styling is very much disco elysium like i walked over and i was like this looks like disco elysium and he says yes uh that's kind of the style that we we're going for and i said is this as tough as disco elysium because sometimes in disco elysium you die for no reason and he's like yeah it's, it's a little easier than that and like he's like you'll know like when you're gonna die and i was like oh great i like that they broke it up into multiple chapters they're going to be releasing multiple chapters and then they're going to release the full game but you first play off as like this minotaur named atticus and you're like this like drunk minotaur and i think does i think scott mentions that they're going to be rolling out the three chapters in the interview um so i may be restating things but i really liked the atticus character and i really thought that it was cool having like this minotaur as like this lead character i thought it was a cool character i think sovereign syndicate was one of the games that I we found in packs that I was like, oh, I actually really think this is cool and like is something I'm now excited to look for. I actually want to say the smaller indie devs that we saw that we got interviews for, they were all like they were all really fun games and I would not have learned about them if I didn't go to packs. I'm glad that they were there and I'm glad that they were in the showcase. Yeah, me too. So there was a game that was just released yesterday, but was at PAX and was not released as of PAX, but is now out and available that I ended up actually already picking up. Uh, we didn't get a chance to play it, but it's called Terra Nil and it's developed by Free Lives and then published by Devolver Digital. It's an intricate environmental strategy game about transforming a barren wasteland into a thriving balanced ecosystem. And it was looks kind of like a little bit like naturey sim city that has a little bit of a puzzle element to it and i saw we watched it it looked really cool there was a pretty long line so zach and i weren't able to really play it but uh we did really we got a chance to watch it and it was it was really cool it was we really enjoyed it yeah i thought it looked really fun it kind of has like a sim city vibe 
that looks enjoyable, except it's a bit more about saving the environment than creating a massive city. Zach and I are also nice when we're at conventions. We don't try to cut people because we're a podcast. No, we don't. We also are very anxious when it comes to lines, so we don't stay in lines very long. (laughs) We're just impatient. Next up, one of the games that uh, we saw that we also got an interview for was Castle of Alchemist by Team Machiavelli. Uh, So we interviewed one of the devs for that game, and uh, Seth got a chance to play the demo. So uh, let's hear what the dev had to say about Castle of Alchemist. Sure, this is a tower defense action hybrid. Uh, So if you ever played Orcs Must Die or Dungeon Defenders, uh, you would feel a little bit similarity to those games, but with a lot more action. Uh, The developers and myself are huge Doom fans. We tried to put that in. Uh, into the action side of the game as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when you play with the main character, uh, Bellator, so you get to choose either uh, melee weapons or ranged weapons. Um, okay. We've also added some RPG elements. We have a fully developed craft system. Uh, you can craft your weapons and uh, you can upgrade your soldier along the way. The game is coming out for early access in May. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I would say like right now, 70% of the game is already complete. We have more than 10 hours of gameplay. Great. And, uh, the next step would be to integrate it with Steam Deck. So Very that's our cool. next goal. It's a pretty cool game. Um, so just from watching Seth play the game, it's got a tower defense kind of style, but definitely you can see the influence from games like Doom, where uh, like your main character is this like buff guy with a double-barreled shotgun. But Seth, what did you think of the game? You're actually you're the one that had the chance to play it. We had a little bit of a line, so I couldn't like jump in. Yeah, I think the thing that I walked away, f- I think the thing that I said to Zach when we walked away was that it was fun. And I'm not somebody who really enjoys tower defense games, so that I was able to say that it was fun. And having it be a mostly a tower defense game is is probably high praise for it. I did add it to my wish list, which is also high praise for a tower defense game i thought that it was kind of cool because it was like using medieval-ish it was like a weird hybrid of like medieval technology but you had guns and like you were playing rambo but in the dark ages i really enjoyed making a path of spikes and zach thought it was kind of funny that i like i got a bunch of like upgrades to build like a defense and and the uh the one thing that i did was just lay down more spike traps and then i laid down i made this huge corridor of death and uh i didn't realize that the bad guys were going to come in from two different points so that made me a little stressed out but um it was a fun stressed out yeah it's a good looking game um i I definitely want to give it a shot so hopefully i can pick it up or play the demo um, when it's available there wasn't only just games like video games there pax also has a wide showing of card games and board games and D&D related stuff and like tabletop areas and we actually we ran into um, a group that was dressed like 1940s noir and yeah. there was a game called the big shuffle and it was a it's a mafia style noir game where you're trying to make your way in an uncaring city you play a classic noir character like the detective or cat burglar which the guy who was telling us about the game spoke in a very silly um noir accent so he said i like to say cat burglar or he said it in a funnier way and you're trying to set up the perfect scene for your agenda and it's very easy for someone else to change the scene for somebody else's agenda and there is some like role-playing opportunities and they like getting like you like getting into uh there's like role-playing opportunities and you can kind of get into the whole theme of like the 1940s noir and then uh you're just 
trying to set it up and it takes about 30 minutes to play so it's it's kind of a cool looking game uh zach and i were unfortunately unable to demo it but we did get the the rundown from the people and they were dressed in a fun uh fun outfits and they were from philadelphia pennsylvania after that there was a point where i was kind of wandering around a bit aimlessly and uh i got to play a game called no longer human which was by pm studios per their steam page um it's a high energy cyber goth action beat em up they use a more inappropriate word with expressive freeform combat that incentivizes aggressive stylish play and it's a really fun game you run around and you beat dudes up with a big scythe uh <laughs> has this kind of ultra stylistic graphics um and almost that they're kind of like almost like vector aesthetic um so i had a good time just playing that game Uh, one of the things i like is you can do a combo where your character will jump forward like a frame so they'll go super fast and then everyone who's in a line in front of you will just slide in half and fall into the ground it's very stylistic so the blood and stuff is all vector lines there's no like actual blood but uh yeah that's no longer human by pm studios which is a good segue because uh while zach was looking at these games i was playing system shock by night dive studios which is a remake of the classic system shock which has been in development for a while now i think we played a system shock demo at another pax many years ago so i played the newer demo that they had available at the play on booth and zach actually interviewed me yeah for this segment uh let's hear what seth had to say we'll get over to seth and see what he thought of the game it was fun it was fun yeah yeah i enjoyed it yeah good interview thanks i know i'm the best riveting stuff i'm glad yeah. seth could uh could provide his insight into the uh into that topic i I'll, I'll go in a little bit more i i don't necessarily know if it was the best use case for showing the game off i'm ultimately going to be buying system shock however i was trying to get a little bit more take on the story aspect of it which it did have it though you only had 15 minutes and a majority of that was taken up with playing through a cutscene. but it was cool seeing how they were planning on introducing the story however the combat i think still needs to be a little bit more visceral it's not as like doesn't have as the the same the oomph behind it which i think they'll they'll hopefully get to but yeah so that's uh system shock by night dive studios i think it's due out later this year uh now another big kind of uh i would call almost like triple a game that uh i got to at least do the demo of was alone in the dark which uh thq has been working on and this is a remake slash reimagining of the original game and uh i personally loved the demo it was more of a it wasn't really a demo of what alone in the dark is going to be like it was more of like a prequel get a feel for the game sort of deal um it was actually called grace of the dark we play as grace who's the little girl from the alone in the dark series as you have to uh deliver a letter in the house and it's a spooky house what is kind of neat though is it has this kind of uh strangeness that you would come to expect from alone in the dark where at one point the world suddenly shifts to something weird and different and grace who's this little girl doesn't really react afraid she reacts concerned because she knows it's connected to someone that she cares about this character jeremy so she's worried about jeremy and what jeremy has gotten himself into which is kind of opening up to what the actual story is going to be like and what the question is so i'm excited to play alone in the dark and i'm happy i got a chance to try out the demo kind of disappointed it wasn't a full recreation of jack in the dark i think that would have been hilarious but hey you know what i'll go with uh i'll go with what they had so back at the uh, the PAX Rising mega booth, as it were, uh, we were able to play a game 
called, well, I played a game called Paper Trail, which is being developed by Newfangled Games. Uh, we did interview this guy while I played the demo, and Zach will cut in the, uh, the interview here. This is Paper Trail. This is a origami-based puzzle game. What it means basically is that you fold the page to the other side and see what's behind there. So in the early goings, you basically get a tutorial of moving in all four directions, but in a few screens, uh, a little bit down the line, you also get diagonally, and you also have to play on the positioning of the main character page. Haha. Um, after that, it also moves into more environmental stuff. Uh, there's a lot of elements moving around, but every area in the game basically introduces you to a new mechanic and adds on top of that. Very cool. So it's um, kind of like a combination of like a puzzle slash adventure game. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So uh, the game was really cool. I really enjoyed the aesthetic. It was and it was kind of a unique game that was like an origami like puzzle where you had to try to slide things down. And I was kind of like really watching somebody play this. I was like, I gotta play this game, and I did, and it was really fun. I hope that it gets a mobile release because I think it would be a really good game to play on your phone. Uh, just having like a touch interaction, which I think it will because I think he had it running on a tablet. I do see games that packs where i'm like this game looks like a really fun mobile game but not a game that i would play on my pc not saying paper trail is that type of game i think paper trail could be fun on the pc i think that it just looks like it's more suited for a tablet or mobile probably because there's so few good mobile games to be honest i feel like there's the mobile games that are out there i would say like 80 percent of them are just like full of ads so when i see a game that i'm like this would be really good on mobile i just want it on mobile so that there'll be more better games on mobile but yeah so paper trail um looks like a fun little puzzly game where you have to get a lady across a japanese style war universe by folding the map around her in order to get her to progress over broken bridges or up through passageways in stone another game that i saw that was actually over in the um, Pax Rising area was Slay the Princess by Black Tabby Games. Uh, in the game, the plot is pretty simple. You're here to slay the princess. Don't believe her lies. This game looked just intriguing to me. I didn't get a chance to play the demo, but I thought the aesthetic was something that was worth looking into. It has this kind of like hand-drawn style graphics where everything looks sketched, like almost with like pen and paper. And it's definitely a game I'm going to keep my eye out for and... Uh, put on my wish list and follow up with as uh, as it's in the development stages. But it looks spooky. So we went over and we saw this game called My Friendly Neighbor being developed by John and Evan Szymanski and being published by Dread XP, where something scary is happening with everyone's favorite Saturday morning puppet show, Our Friendly Neighborhood. I think I said Our Friendly Neighbor, but that's mostly because of, my, of the neighbor game. This one's Our Friendly Neighborhood. And in Our Friendly Neighborhood, you play as Gordon, uh, a repairman sent to get to the bottom of this disturbing dilemma where you have to fend off puppets and solve puzzles in this survival horror adventure game. This game has Muppets in it that uh, you shoot them. Yeah. Uh, they kind of look like Bert and Ernie. At least the like the title characters. It also like kind of has a Bioshock vibe to it that I was getting where, I don't know, just like the weirdness of the world that you're in and kind of the over-the-topness um, I don't know, it just gave me a Bioshock vibe. Especially because the weapons are like chain gun that has like a typewriter on it for some reason. Maybe a game that we play during spooky season or 
during Extra Life. Another cool game I saw that, I don't know, I couldn't really get a vibe for it, but uh, it looked interesting, was Goodbye World by Yofuji. It's a narrative adventure game where you play through 12 stages of puzzle platformers while following the two protagonists through 13 chapters of their story. And I think that whole stages of puzzle platformers while you're also following these two protagonists is such an interesting blend because the way they do it is the two protagonists' story is told through like an RPG setting while the puzzle platformers you play are on what looks like a Game Boy. So your character will like pull up a Game Boy and you'll play a game on it. And I think that looks cool. I like that idea and I like the idea of kind of integrating these puzzle platformers with the lives of these characters. Um, So it's definitely something I want to keep my eye on, especially with my love of retro games. Now, we also were able to um, meet up with developers from Poland. There is usually a decent Polish contingent that comes to PAX, as I believe they get government funding to go to PAX. Yeah, the Polish government provides funding for game developers. One of the developers that we saw was the developers Trigger Labs. Um, They were developing a game called Pandemic Train. We both played the demo, and Zach was able to interview the guy. So this is Pandemic Train. Uh, We are a team from Poland that came out here to represent our game and show our game. So you're on a train, so you have three sections. You're on a train, out in the world, and you have a hub. Okay. So on the hub, you get to upgrade your characters, your train, how much uh, scrap you have of starting scrap. So it's a roguelike in that sense. Okay. So you look for biofuel throughout the world so you can upgrade your base and upgrade your stats like health, ammunition, and other things. So you could live in this world better. On the train, you get to have things like a kitchen, a chicken coop, sheep stable. So you get from the chicken coop, you get food. Yeah. From the sheep stable, you get uh, wool for bandages. And for Molotovs, which is one of our weapons. Yes, right, yeah. Very cool. And medkits, because you need to reheal. And in the wild, you also find... So in the outside world, you have to fight cultists. Okay. And these cultists are trying to kill you, trying to take your stuff. And they're here in general to, like, start the plague, uh, support the plague and everything. And your goal is to figure out why this plague's happening, who caused it, what, where, why, and how to cure it. Cool. And it's a very story-based game. You have newspapers, you meet people. Yeah. Um, that's the goal we were going for, and it's turned out pretty well so far. Yeah. It'll be out in July. What I really enjoyed the most about this booth was they had two monitors set up, and one was really good, and one wasn't so great. And by that, I mean, like, the monitor was broken and had, like, a red hue on the entire game. And that's the one I played while Zach got to play the nice version. And it was like the game had its own theme going on because it was like a pandemic going through it. Didn't they say that they developed this game prior to the actual pandemic? Or yeah, they started yeah, developing yeah. it? Yeah. They didn't make this game because of the pandemic. They were making this game and then the pandemic happened. The game has, involves um, exploring and um, exploring areas while going about different locations on your train and then essentially scavenging and salvaging things and then modifying your train. And then you get people that help you and you can build it and you can customize your train and what you have in there and you get pe- like a crew and you get leaders and you can kind of go through the leaders are the ones that go do the shooting and the crew do the building it kind of reminds me a little bit of um mr prepper yeah a little bit except on a train with violence because mr prepper doesn't have that much violence 
Another game I saw while Seth was actually waiting in line for System Shock was Treachery in Beatdown City by New Challenger. Per their Steam page, uh, in the game you're exploring an angry city and you meet the worst people. You beat them up with style. And it is actually kind of cool because it looks like an 8-bit beat-em-up, but it's a tactical RPG. So uh, it has kind of the aesthetic of an 8-bit beat-em-up like you would see with something like River City Ransom or maybe Double Dragon. But the actual game gameplay mechanic is tactical RPG where you have to plan out your attacks and uh, they happen turn-based. I thought it was really cool. I I thought that was kind of a neat twist on the beat-em-up style uh, and it's one of those games that um, I definitely am going to keep my eye on because I love retro games as I've said many times. Uh, I'm going to talk about a game that Zach saw and that I don't know if I did see. Exophobia by Zark Attack where you explore and fight your way through a crashed human spaceship infested with rentless hordes of aliens as you become more powerful with exciting weapon upgrades, power-ups in a retro-inspired first-person shooter and kind of has a Wolfenstein in space vibe. That sounds really cool, and I don't know if I saw it. It was over with a group of other games. I think it was actually in the same place that I played No Longer Human, but it does feel more of, like, Wolfenstein than Doom, especially because just the way the maps are, they're very, like, I don't know, very flat, 90-degree turn-style maps. Like a Windows screensaver. Except you're, you're shooting aliens and stuff and space. And then the, the last game that we ended up seeing that we wanted to at least talk about was WrestleQuest uh, by MegaCat Studios. And uh, we got a great chance to interview Zach with MegaCat Studios. Um, and let's hear Zach's whole pitch for WrestleQuest. So WrestleQuest is the world's first heavyweight pro wrestling RPG. We took that classic era of RPGs, you know, your Chrono Triggers, your Earthbound, Super Mario RPG, Final Fantasy VI. Took everything that's great about them and wrestle-fied it to make it even better. So, for example, combat system. You know, I love the turn-based, classic turn-based system. I grew up with it. Yeah. But after a while, it gets a little bit stale. You know, you're just spamming that attack button, kind of doing battles on autopilot. Well, in WrestleQuest, every match takes place in front of this live audience. You need to keep them in mind, keep them engaged with what's going on. So if you just keep hitting that attack button, they'll start to get bored. And when that happens, we have a system called the hype meter. The hype meter drains out. When that happens, your enemies get stronger. Sweet. But if you approach battle with uh, a little bit more strategy and showmanship, a little bit of creativity, you'll start to keep them engaged and they'll start cheering for you. When that happens, your hype meter grows, it fills up, and um, you'll unlock better abilities, you'll get buffs, and then after battle, you'll get better loot. So it's all about keeping in mind uh, that, that an audience is watching them, keep them engaged in a fight. So it's about adding that drama and spectacle of wrestling to, again, wrestle-fy those parts of the rpgs yeah so um your your guy was mentioning that you've also gotten some uh actual licenses oh, yeah. for the game oh yeah so how did that come about and who have you gotten so far so we have several licensed wrestlers we have about 20 plus uh macho man randy savage is definitely the pillar of the game right, he, yeah. he inspires the main character to you know take his wrestling journey we also have andre the giant jake the snake the road warrior sergeant slaughter coco beware junkyard dog uh, Rocky Johnson. We got a bunch, man. Very cool. Well, thank you very much. What was your name again? I'm Zach from Mega hey, Cat Studios. That's my name, Zach. All right. Yeah, 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 my yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, I'll just start a faction Yeah, 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 Zach faction. Zach Attack awesome. is coming. Yeah. It was a great game. It was great to play it. I, I know Seth got a chance to demo it. I got a chance to demo it. Personally, I really liked it. I liked the idea of the combos that you had to do. Like, for example, after you take down your enemy, um, you have to do this, like, quick time event to pin them. And I just thought that was kind of clever. And I 
like the mix of quick time events with turn-based gameplay. I'm not usually a person who likes quick time events in general, but I thought they were handled very well in this game. I thought they were handled appropriately. Seth, what did you think of WrestleQuest? Yeah, I thought it was it was kind of a unique take on a uh, a wrestling game, which primarily we actually haven't talked about classic wrestling games. No, we haven't, which probably should. <laughs> But it's like a, if you took like a Final Fantasy, but themed it with Macho Man Randy Savage and did wrestling. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought the um, graphics were fun. And it just definitely has a um, fun little vibe of RPG wrestling. They also had a wrestling rink set up, which we did not pose with. But no. uh, you could do some wrestling if you wanted to in the wrestling rink. And that was PAX. That was PAX East. So uh, Seth and I had a blast and hopefully everyone enjoyed listening to our take on PAX East and listening to some of these interviews that we got. Overall, I, I had a great time, good time hanging out with my brother, and uh, I hope Seth had a good time too. Yeah, I, it's always a fun time. On top of doing PAX, we also um, did an escape room on Saturday night, which we did at Trapology, which is kind of an annual thing that we do. I think we've done it almost every year and it's great. Uh, it was a lot of fun and we got out. So we got out with two minutes to spare. So we're smart. Or yes. at least the people we were with were smart. And with that, we're going to get into our Retro Rewind. Yeah, so Zach had me playing Syndicate, which was released in 1993 by Bullfog Productions. Uh, he had me playing it on the Sega Genesis, which I think might have been a mistake. But it's an isometric, real-time, tactical, and strategic game where you play as uh, some cyborgs that are trying to accomplish goals, like assassinate people. Uh, the backstory of the game is in the manual, not in the game itself. So it just drops you right in the middle of the city with four guys and you have to go and shoot people and you don't really know what the, it says like assassinate people, but you can't tell anybody. It's one of those games where I should have had the manual. However, I didn't have it because I was playing it on the train on my RG351V while we went packs. I was kind of confused about how to play the game and it felt a little dated. If I was to replay the game again, I would probably play it on the computer. I would also read the manual and that may help me understand the game better. Though, however, I don't feel like it held up for me. Zach, next week you can play Side Pocket for the SNES. Uh, Seth had me play Road Rash 2, which was the sequel to Road Rash. It was developed by Electronic Arts in 1992, and the game is centered around motorcycle races, but you get to smack your opponents. Uh, it's a great game. I loved it. I really liked the combat and the gameplay itself. One of my absolute favorite things was that if you get knocked off your bike, you have to walk back to your bike, Um, which was funny and a little obnoxious because at one point I collided with a sign and I was going like 100 miles per hour so my guy flew very far down the road and I had to walk all the way back to my bike. But I also like the fact that you can punch the people that are riding next to you and knock them to the ground. So yeah, Road Rash, great game. Can't wait to play more of it. Next week, Seth, I want you to play Dungeon and Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun for the Sega Genesis. Okie dokie. And with that, that will do it for our episode. So I want to thank everyone for joining us and listening. If you want to reach out to us, let you let us know if you were at PAX or if you heard about any games that were at PAX that we didn't talk about and you wanted to share with us you can email us at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com you can also reach out to us via our facebook classic gaming brothers instagram classic gaming brothers or our twitter cg brothers pod we're also on twitch feel 
feel free to follow us. Maybe I'll stream some of the games I picked up. Also, be sure to check out our website, ClassicGamingBrothers.com, and be sure to like us and follow us on all the major podcasting applications. Also, I want to give a big shout out to Dice Ninja Gaming, who were hanging out with us while we were at PAX. So be sure to follow them on Instagram. And with that, I think that's it. Seth, do you have anything to contribute? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. right.